Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, December 26th, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So I guess happy belated Christmas to you and all of our listeners uh, who celebrated. Do do you? Ex- I guess we're recording this a little in advance, but so I'm going to ask you a slightly different question, which is, do you expect to find anything good under the tree this year? Since we haven't, we're recording this right before Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I mean we have a good a good celebration here, no doubt. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping so. I don't know. I think I think my wife's been shopping quite a lot lately. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Fantastic. That's a good, good sign. Uh, so, yeah. you know, as folks are tuning in, we're going to be in that sleepy period between Christmas and New Year's when it comes to, you know, news. But it's also kind of crunch time for anyone that is applying to top business schools in round two. So it just, you know, the, we're kind of, so I don't know if you remember off the top of your head, I mean, there are a ton of deadlines next week, right? So this week's quiet, but next week, they're going to be a ton of deadlines. Yeah, no doubt. Um, January, the first the first week of January, um, basically is a huge number of um, deadlines from from all the top programs. Yeah. I think there is two days where it's really super concentrated. Yep. Um, so, folks need to bear that in mind. Um, and I, yeah, I mean January second, I think it's third and fourth Tuesday and Wednesday of the new year. Yeah, um, is is super concentrated. So best of luck to everyone that's targeting round two. But I know they're probably nervously sort of tweaking some some essays yes. and chasing <laughs> their recommenders. Hopefully they're not chasing their recommenders because they they need a break between Christmas and New Year too. So yeah, um, yeah. Best of luck to everyone that's targeting round two. Yeah, definitely. So and and before I forget, since this is our um, since our next show is not going to come out until twenty twenty three, right? Because it'll it'll air just after the new year. I do want to take a moment and wish everyone a lovely end to their twenty twenty two and all the best for uh, the new year ahead, uh, especially you know health and acceptance letters. <laughs> um, yeah. So let's get into some of the stuff that's been going on on the website. So we uh, continue to publish Real Humans. And this week we had uh, we, we published uh, Real Humans for Alliance Manchester Business School at the University of Manchester, which I know you probably know this, Alex, but University of Manchester was the, the, one of the first business schools in the UK. Actually, there were two that were started at the same time. That's London Business School and University of Manchester's business school. So, um, yeah. th- and that was mandated by the queen. Um, there was this kind of, uh, you know, desire to really train managers for, you know, the kind of industrial age and everything. And so, um, so that's kind of cool to catch up with students there. Uh, we also caught up with students from John Hopkins Carey Business School in Baltimore. And we have a new <laughs> feature kind of riffing on this whole Real Humans thing called Real Humans for the Holidays. And what that is, is our um, editorial team caught up with some of our past real humans who are often in business school right now to just ask them how things are, are what, what things are like during the holidays at business school, um, or at least in the lead up to the holidays. And also just to get some, we had some kind of fun, kind of whimsical questions that we wanted to ask them about how they celebrate the holiday season. And so Alex, I'm going to put you on the spot because we gave people a multiple choice. There were four short questions that everyone has had to answer. Um, and, and we're going to run these out over the next few weeks here during the holiday season. So, cause we caught up with a lot of students, but I'm going to give you these funny questions, Alex. I'm kind of curious to hear your answer and they're really simple. So fear not. Um, so the first one is, 
you just multiple choice. You have to pick one of these. Okay. The first one is ugly sweaters or Christmas pajamas. Ugly sweater. <laughs> how, now, how would I have not guessed that one from someone in the UK? <laughs> All right. I should say ugly jumpers. Yeah, jumpers. Sorry. Um, okay, hot chocolate or hot cocoa versus eggnog. I quite like a bit of eggnog, but only during the festive season. I go hot chocolate rest of the year. Okay. Is, so eggnog is a thing in the UK? Yeah, a it little is. bit. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I mean, my whole thing is it's got a little bit of alcohol. That's in right. It, so it's yes. got to be a bit better than hot chocolate. <laughs> right, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, okay, next one. And I don't know why we asked this because I feel like it's a little bit of a trap, but giving gifts or getting gifts, what do you prefer? That's a good question. I actually do quite like giving gifts. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then time. I think when you're a kid, you like to get gifts, right? But yeah. Maybe when you get a little bit older. That's right. Um, the giving is better. I could not agree more. Um, and then the last one is when you think of the holiday season, time with family or time with friends? What's your preference? <laughs> I will be honest. I'm a mix of both because whilst I am married and my wife has a couple, you know, three, three children actually, and I yeah. enjoy um, being amongst her family and my own um, sort of uh, family. My mum lives quite locally. Um, this is a long answer to a short question, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, I basically, you know, I, I do enjoy my friends. So actually what we do on Christmas Day is we'll go to the local pub and have a, a couple of beers before we then all return to our family homes and stuff. Oh, nice. So it's quite nice. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'll let you ask me these next week since we'll still be in the holiday season, I guess, um, <laughs> if you want. Uh, other than that, we did, um, getting into the kind of back to the real news stuff, we did publish Wharton's employment report on our website. I mean, an analysis of it. Uh, they, you know, amazing numbers, as you would expect uh, from a top school. Within three months, 98.7% of those looking for a job had received an offer and 96.2% had actually accepted an offer. The uh, starting salary is 175,000 a year, just like at Harvard and Booth, as we saw. Um, that was 155 last year. So again, a big boost in starting salary. Signing bonus, 30K <laughs> as usual. Um, this is interesting though. What percentage of students do you think were looking for jobs? So remember how you know some schools will share that stat of like, well, what percent of the class are actually even in the market for a job? Hmm. Usually, what is it? 85, 90%? It depends on the school, but you're right. Last week, we mentioned that Booth was 88%. Um, yeah. At Wharton, 74% were looking for jobs. Hmm. And that's because, you know, the, re the remaining amount, um, about half of them were sponsored. Right. And then Wharton actually mentions there's another big chunk of them who are starting their own ventures. Um, so running their own interesting. companies and things. Yeah. So, so that's kind of an interesting figure. And I think I remember seeing that at Stanford, that number is particularly low. So I think it even dips down into the high 60s or something yeah. uh, in terms of the percentage that's looking for, for work because there is this you know entrepreneurial angle too. So um, I'll give you the uh, industry placements and then get your take on that. Finance or financial services, 38.6% of the graduating class went into that domain. That's up a little bit from 35% last year. Uh, consulting, 24.3%, uh, actually down ever so slightly from 27%. Technology, 16.9% went into tech versus 19%, so that's off a little bit too. Healthcare, 5.6%. It's pretty steady compared to past years. It's up a tiny bit. Retail, uh, 2.5%, and that's the same as last year. Any thoughts on the kind of industry placements? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a big number on financial services. Do we know if that's buy or sell side? Is it investment banking versus um, private equity type? type stuff. I don't know off the top of my head. I'm, I know that it, it, I know that it includes all of it. Um, yeah. what I don't know is I suspect there's quite a bit of private equity and, and maybe even some VC in there, yeah. like we see with Harvard, Yeah. but I don't know off the top of my head. Because obviously, I mean, again, looking at that number, you need the context to really drill down. Right. So, yeah. um, so what we see at the very, very top schools, Harvard, Stanford, Wharton, and so forth, a bit more of a buy side spin to that financial services number and the same with the consulting consulting is 30 24 percent but do we know if that's mbb consulting versus uh, big four and and other consulting opportunities and i don't think wharton breaks out that number right yeah they're a little bit more cagey about what they share um you know it's, it's it's just interesting to see the different range of transparency with schools but yeah so it would be interesting to know i know that some schools i think both kellogg and booth for example will tell you the exact number of people that go to yeah. mckinsey you know or something but we don't see that yeah. with wharton i would assume that the numbers are pretty impressive i mean i'm assuming yeah. they're sending most of their consultants there yeah i mean i i assume wharton sends a, a good proportion to mbb but it would be good to know and if that's yeah. trending up or down exactly um, and and we're seeing tech dropping we've seen tech dropping a pretty much every school that we've covered um, and obviously in the news more recently we've seen um, significant decline in that industry or at some you know at some level um, yeah people so we'll getting see. laid off so so it's it's an evolving dynamic the the 175k average um, starting salary is is ridiculously high like you say it matches um, top schools and i think stern 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 i seem to remember reported a very high number in in that domain and and that's not surprising because they're heavily financed uh, financial services focused um which again is wharton right 38.6 percent so yeah wharton very impressive would like to know a bit more detail yeah and then with respect to regional stuff which we've been tracking kind of closely as well they sent 43 percent of the class into the northeast that's actually down a tick from 47 and a half percent last year they sent uh, 24.5% to the West Coast, almost identical. They were like 25% and change uh, uh, last year. Uh, Mid-Atlantic, 9.6%, almost identical to last year. They sent 6.2% into the Southwest this year. That's actually almost doubled from last year. It's still off of a small base, but worth noting. 4.7% uh, went to the South, up a little bit from last year. And then they sent uh, 3.5% to the Midwest. That's also up a tiny bit. Um, so 5% of their grads do work overseas with Asia and Europe being the biggest destinations. That number's down a little bit. It was 8% last year. So they're, you know, kind of, we see a lot of, um, I feel like people are staying a little closer to home. I think some of that's just remnants of the pandemic or something. I'm not, not sure what's right. going on. And I, I know with China being kind of closed, although <laughs> that may be changing with China's new policy, but China being kind of closed, it's, it's sort of, um, limited people's movements, particularly, you know, to Asia in general, because some of those markets have been pretty tight, yeah. tightened up. So, but, yeah. But also not forgetting these are the numbers, you know, where folks are going directly after their MBA, right? right. So a lot of these international students will spend one or two years in the US totally. before um, going back overseas and, and so on and so forth. So bearing that in mind, and that number for the West Coast um, again, it's not surprising. Wharton has that campus in, in, in San Francisco, has lots of connections there. And I would argue is probably one of the 
largest alumni networks for top MBA programs on the West Coast, just because of the sheer size of Wharton yeah. and that proportionate number of 20, 20, 24%. So, I mean, yeah. it's behind Harvard, obviously, um, yeah. but, but it's probably comparable to Haas and, and, and other programs that are actually on the West Coast. Yeah, we should do an article at some point where we just look at alumni presence. Like we pick yeah. like six global cities, like London, you know, um, you know, a city in China of our choice, or you know, just pick some big hotspots of a city in India, um, and and look at what's the size of the alumni network at these different schools in yeah, these yeah. markets. Because you're right, I think a lot of people stay in the states afterwards for the near term, but ultimately go back to the home country yeah. at some point. So, be curious to see that. Um, mentioning, you mentioned kind of West Coast stuff, and uh, you know, one of the things I we'll talk about it next week. But USC Marshall also published their employment report, and I'll save those stats for next week. But I wanted to ask you a question: What percentage of USC Marshall graduates do you think end up staying not on the West Coast, but in California when they graduate? Eighty percent. Wow, yeah, eighty-one percent. So eighty-one percent of that graduating class stayed in California. <laughs> and I, I hadn't looked at that employment report, but I know. I mean, it's going to be the. I'm not sure it's quite so strong with Anderson, but probably quite close. I mean, yeah. there's a huge concentration with those two programs mm -hmm. um, being on the West Coast and Haas. Yeah, um, no doubt. So. And, and even Stanford, we see it. You know, very high numbers staying put. So, um, in any event, a couple more things to get through, and then we've got a, a some some candidates that we're going to talk through. Uh, first is we've got events coming up on February 1st and February 8th. I know that feels like a long time away, but it's really not too much more than a month from now. We're doing a series of two events about deferred enrollment programs. This is for college students who want to get a lock in a seat in an MBA program in advance, then go off and work and, and come to business school usually in two to five years. So really great opportunity for college students. And we've got at the first event, Berkeley, Tepper, Wharton, UVA, Darden, and Yale. And then on the second event, which is February 8th, we've got Columbia, Chicago, Stanford, MIT, and Alex, you're not going to believe this, Harvard Business School. Wow. So they're taking part in, in the event. Uh, and you can sign up for these events by going to bit.ly forward slash defer 23. That's all lowercase and it's all one word. Um, so D-E-F-E-R 23. Um, in any event, yeah, that's going to be fun. And I, I think it's, uh, I know you've been ribbing us for a while now about how we've got every school working with us on events, except for HBS. Well, now they're, they're on board too. So that's kind of cool. So this is their debut event for us, is it? Yeah. Yeah. They have that two plus two program that they're going to be talking about. So it should be fun. Yeah. yeah. Well done. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if, if anyone wants to reach out to Alex and myself to send us, you know, Christmas gifts and, and things like that, <laughs> you can, <laughs> you can write to info at clearadmit.com. Use the subject line wiretaps, and we will circle back with you. I did um, mention Alex, to you did, I did yeah. mention to you last week, Graham, um, yeah. that, that one of our, our listeners um, 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 uh, did some editing help work oh, yeah. for me on my essay, um, and and you know we talked about it on the show last week. They emailed me yesterday and said, I, I was listening again. I heard you mention me. <laughs> uh, there it. you go. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> um, so you did something different this week with the profile reviews in that yeah. 
we're kind of pivoting, right? We're going to talk about a couple of decision wire entries and then we'll do an apply wire entry yeah. as well because now we're, you know, this is the time of year. People have decisions in hand and they don't know where to go. They've got scholarship dollars here, maybe more or less there. They're, they're trying to make these decisions. So that's how we're going to start the show. We're going to start with a couple of candidates who are in a bind. They can't, you know, <laughs> figure this out. So um, are you ready to get started? Let's kick on. All right. So this is Wiretaps candidate number one. So as I said, this is an entry that you picked, Alex, from DecisionWire, and it's a candidate who applied to Berkeley, Columbia, Harvard, MIT, and Yale. And they got in everywhere except for Harvard. Um, and in the case of um, MIT, let's see, so they got, what did they get? $30,000 at MIT in scholarship, 70000 at Berkeley, and they also got 70000 at Yale. They don't yet know, I think, how much money they may get from Columbia, because that usually is announced later. They're going to be starting school in the fall, obviously, and they want to work in technology. Their GMAT score was a 740. They're located in the Bay Area, and they write that I am currently torn between these decisions. I went to Berkeley for undergrad, so I'm not sure that it would add too much to my resume. Post-MBA goals are to go into sustainability strategy slash tech, and ideally, I would like to move back to the West Coast. Um, so. That's kind of the, the the baseline information. There was some debate that is ensued in the comments on our site. But Alex, what do you make of this decision? I mean, it's not an easy one. Um, it's, it, I, I don't think it is an easy one, but it gets back to our conversation, um, um, you know, five minutes ago. What is the network like in the Bay Area for a program like um, Sloan, mm -hmm. um, certainly versus Haas? So you would think Haas is going to have the stronger um, concentration of network there, but it would be interesting to explore what Sloan's network looks like there, because I got to imagine Sloan still has a pretty interesting network on the West Coast. It is a bit of a smaller program, obviously relative to Wharton, but it has that sort of tech um, um, focus. Um, so I'm sure they do quite a lot of work to help place folks um, on on to, um, back to the West Coast. Um, the other factor here is double dipping. Yeah. whether it makes sense to um, go to an MBA program from where you did your undergrad. And I believe um, that they didn't just do their undergrad at Berkeley, but they did it at Haas. So it'd be double dipping in the business program. Mm. Um, and, and I get some of that hesitance to do that because you could then argue, well, they've got a network already established from Haas through their undergraduate program, or at least they can tap into that, I, I presume, mm. um, which would then make um, um, Sloan um, more appealing because it would be a brand new network. They'd get out of their comfort zone a little bit. They'd get a whole new set of experiences. But again, I think Sloan probably does a good job anyway of helping them move, come back to um, California. Um, and then quite frankly, Sloan is in the higher tier. Um, so we talk about this sort of tiering system. Um, Sloan is an M7 um, and is part of that tier just behind Wharton, I would say. Mm -hmm. So so you've got um, Sloan and Columbia and Kellogg and Booth, those four. Um, so and, and Columbia is another option for this candidate, and, and, but we don't know the scholarship opportunity there. Mm. And Sloan might be a little bit more aligned anyway with their sort of tech aspiration and so forth. So I, I think I'm weighing quite heavily towards Sloan as being the, the choice here, Graham, with, 
recognising that if they hadn't have gone to Haas as an undergrad, Haas would have a, a stronger um, 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 argument. And when I talk about that tiering system, Haas is right behind that M7 tier. Um, in, you know, and it'd be sort of Haas, Yale and Tuck. They got into Yale too, but maybe Yale's not quite as closely aligned yeah. in terms of their goals. Yeah, it's. I mean, first of all, it's a f- it's fantastic the results that they've had here. I mean, with, yeah. with dollars at basically every program. I mean, they'll they'll find out what the Columbia amount is uh, in the future. But it's yeah, I, I understand though this idea of not wanting to double dip. I also think you're right. Sloan probably has a terrific network out on the West Coast. Their average class size is you know I think it's almost double the size of of Haas's class. So there there should be enough MIT grads from the last you know thirty years who have made the journey out west working in tech and, you know, some of these areas that this candidate's targeting. I also just wonder, and this is just more of a personal thing, but, you know, I I got the sense when the person was leaving comments on our site that they're kind of wanting to do something a little different, like not, it's not just not double dipping, but it's also maybe getting out of California and then, you know, having the opportunity to go back obviously is important to them. But yeah. so it would be a different experience. I mean, I hope they like snow um, <laughs> and, and, you know, that kind of thing, but it's uh, yeah. So I, I think it, you know, obviously it's debatable. There, there is the money, right? Cause you're going to get double the money at yeah. Haas. What do you make of that? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, that's hard to, hard, hard to rationalize in, in the short run, but you've got to think about it in the long term um, and so forth. So I'm, I'm not, you know, obviously people have different sort of risk tolerances and, 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 you know, some folks have better access obviously to their own financial resources and so on and so forth. So money is not sort of equal to everybody. Yeah. Um, but they'll have to make that decision. The other question I bounce back to you, Graham, is if they haven't done so already, what about um, taking a flyer at Wharton or something like that in round two? Yeah, I mean, that does, I, I don't know, I guess I, my guess is that they're probably feeling like they're, you know, they've, they've sort of played their hand and, you know, have, have a bunch of good good opportunities, but... If they've got, if they've got money at Sloan, if they, they've got, you know, scholarship money, not saying across the board, and obviously they, it doesn't look like they got into Harvard, but I, I, I think that they should take a flyer at Wharton um, and and sort of, you know, at the end of the day, um, Wharton might come back, give them an admit, and again, might, might even offer them yeah, some, it's some scholarship money. So yeah. it might be worth exploring, yeah. Yeah. So in any event, congrats to them. Uh, hopefully they'll, they'll be able to make up their mind and, and figure this all out or, or throw an app in in round two. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting quandary, but I do understand the idea of, you know, maybe wanting to expand the horizons and not attend the same school you went to for undergrad that, you know, yeah. no one can fault yeah. them for that. So, um, all right, let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So our second entry this week is also from Decision Wire, and it's another candidate who cannot decide where to attend. This person applied to Berkeley as well, Columbia and Duke, and they ran the table. Um, they've got an offer at Duke with a scholarship of $50,000. They have been accepted at both Columbia and Berkeley, but at this point, no money has been, you know, they're not aware of any scholarship dollars. I think. Um, it's possible that Columbia is still going to give them that information, but it sounds like maybe Berkeley is, they've already got the sort of decision on that. So, uh, they're sort of, at least in the post that they left here, they seem to be trying to decide between Columbia and Berkeley at this point, even though they do have that money at Fuqua. 
Uh, they're going to be starting school in the fall. They want to work in consumer goods, ideally with a company like Nike. Their GMAT score was a 730 and their GPA is a 3.6. And they get specific in the notes and say that they're mainly interested in sports business. So that could not just mean Nike, but they indicate, you know, teams, leagues, agencies, um, or consumer packaged goods like Nike, right? So they're, um, they're willing to pivot into something else if they have to. So they're not, you know, blindly assuming they're going to get a job in that space, but that's their focus. And they claim that they're, as I said, leaning more towards Haas and CBS because of location. Um, so yeah, they wanted, they asked the peanut gallery on our site to weigh in and, and we've had a bunch of good comments. In fact, there's a friend of ours, or I, I mean, a friend of the community who's back from last season. That's uh, their handle is just a non one Oh six, four, six. And we've talked about them before on the show, but they tend to show up on our site and, you know, they have three stars cause they've been posting forever and getting lots of good feedback, but they left a few good comments and, and so did you, right? So what, what do you make of this choice here in terms of this candidate's options? Well, it's not just friend of the community, Graham. They've nearly got as many likes as you. Well, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Let me tell you, that, that this is um, a really strong um, contributor to, to, to our community. So, um, but yeah, and they, they do provide great feedback on decision wire. That's basically their domain. And, and it, I, I'm assuming they're a current student. Yeah, they might be. Yeah. Um, and, and they talk about some of their experience sometimes when they're answering questions on decision wire. So it's absolutely fantastic. Um, so with this candidate, uh, actually, a, a, a bit of a sidetrack, Graham. I watched Moneyball last night. Oh, I um, saw I, that recently I'm, too. Actually. I'm sure I've seen it before. It's about a hundred years old, yeah. but it just reminded me. Wait, you watched a movie um, about the, baseball? <laughs> I can't even. I, I need a moment I know, here. <laughs> <laughs> but, but 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 yeah, no, it's it's, it's quite an interesting. Well, it's a fun movie. Yeah. But yeah, this reminded me of that. Um, so yeah, I mean. It seems to me that the, the, the choices, amongst their three choices, Haas and Columbia probably are going to be a bit more um, um, appealing, provide a bit more access and, and, and sort of that, you know, from a location standpoint too. And as, a, as Anon 10646 um, rightly points out, um, you know, lots of the sports teams are headquartered in New York and so on and so forth. Um, so there's a lot of um, um, push potentially for Columbia in this case. Um, but they, you know, the the candidate points out two key issues, which I, I think it'd be interesting for you to sort of um, explore a bit further, Graham, is um, they're married. Um, so, so, you know, when they make their business school decision, it's not just about them, it's about their wife and their two-year-old um, daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, so their lifestyle issue points a little bit more towards the West Coast and, and Haas. Um, and also cost of living, they did some exploration and getting some feedback from, from some students of both programs, I guess. And, and they figured that the cost of living is actually going to be a bit cheaper mm. um, in California. Um, so, so how did those factors weigh, Graham? Yeah, I was surprised by that, actually, in terms of the cost of living stuff, because I think of Berkeley in particular as being, you know, it's not, it, it, I mean, it, it's similar to Manhattan in terms of, especially yeah. the part of Manhattan that Columbia is in, which is way up north and kind of northwest, right? So um, I was a little surprised to see that. I think it depends, you know, if all the Columbia students are living down, you know, closer to just sort of Upper West Side Manhattan, as opposed to in Manhattanville, where the new campus is. 
maybe that's, you know, I could understand that. But so, so I think there are different options. I will say, you know, the, the facilities at both of these institutions are, you know, now truly fantastic because they both have fairly recent buildings. Um, it's, you know, it is an interesting one. I mean, I, I, I also was thinking about, you know, which business schools are known for placement in kind of sports management, you know, working at the leagues, whether it's working for the NBA or MLB or, you know, or individual uh, franchises in the front office. And, you know, the schools that come to my mind initially, at least, are more like Harvard or Wharton. And that got me wondering, did this person apply to any of those programs in the first round? And if not, I wondered if they, you know, now they have a, they have a family, they're probably wanting to make this decision. But my initial thought was, should they be taking a flyer on HBS and Wharton in round two? And the reason I say that is because, you know, they have a young family and I could see living, you know, in West Philadelphia around UPenn, um, which I know people who don't know Philadelphia are thinking, what? <laughs> um, but it's actually quite nice and, you know, pretty easy to raise a family around there. And, and you know, you could say the same, obviously, for Harvard's campus and stuff. So, I yeah, I just was kind of thinking about that. Other than Other than that, though, I think you know, the difference between Haas and Columbia, we, we don't know the money yet or anything. And and I, it would be good to know where they want to be. You know, I mean, I, I think if they knew that they wanted to work for Nike out on the West coast for the rest of their career and work their way into the C-suite or something, then, you know, well, Berkeley could make a ton of sense. Right. But if they want to work for the NBA in New York city, then, you know, being close right. to that <laughs> would be smart too. Right. So I, I think you could make the argument either way. But it would be good to know, is there any financial aid that's going to come their way from Columbia uh, that might, if if there is a difference in cost of living, that might make that a bit more even. Um, but it's a tough call. I mean, I think both, they're not going to go wrong. What what do you think about the fact that they're walking away from 50 grand at Duke, though? Does that, does that doesn't sway you at all? I mean, Duke can certainly get them to where they want to be. The, mm -hmm. the, the access might be a little bit, um, um, tougher, as it were, and certainly from a cost of living and maybe even a, a, a lifestyle thing, do yeah. do um, is going to be um, very different, I think, to to these two options. Yeah. Um, so I would say that Haas and and Columbia provide more access to what for what they want to do, but Duke is not. Um, not going to provide them access, right? And you know, who who went to Duke? I mean, Tim Cook, right? Yeah. So he runs the, one of the biggest companies on the planet. So it's not like you're not going to have opportunities coming out of a program like that. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it's um, tricky. So, so Duke, Duke is still a possibility. And one of the reasons why I chose this one for this week, this entry for this week, Graham, is, um, you know, oftentimes you look at the different programs and, and it seems quite obvious which is the program that might um, prevent present the most access to the career goals. Mm -hmm. so that's kind of the way I measure which program one should pursue the most access to. Um, but then when you factor in other issues that individual candidates have in terms of what's important for their decision making, and for this candidate, um, you know, having a young family will influence ultimately where they choose to go. And I think that's important. Yeah. yeah. I could see someone making the case that like, wow, you have a young family, you got to put food on the table, take the 50 grand, live in a place like Durham or Chapel Hill or something. Yeah. And, um, and you know, you could argue that Duke has a um, really strong tradition of sport, right? I mean, it's a big part of that university in terms of their, you know, their college basketball they program. Play basketball stuff, Yes, yeah. Right? So, um, <laughs> so, I mean, you know, 
yeah, you could make the argument in terms of like, I mean, and, and obviously radically different in terms of the, yeah. the, the personal experience of being in a smaller community and things. So yeah, the, I agree with you. This is not an easy, there's, there's no sort of, um, sorry to use a terrible metaphor, but slam dunk, uh, answer here, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> so, but in any event, I, I mean, they're fortunate. They've got a, three offers in hand. Um, yeah. who knows, they might be rolling their eyes and saying, there's no way I'm going to apply to Wharton or Harvard in round two, or maybe they're saying, oh, you know, not a bad idea. Um, but either way, I wish them the best of luck and thank them for sharing this dilemma. And I know there was some debate on the site. So obviously if you're tuning into the show and you want to go on the, on the site, you can, um, if you look at the podcast episode posts on our site, we always have links to the entries that we cover. Yeah. So you can go in and comment yourself if you have a point of view on this. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on though and talk about wiretaps candidate number three. So Alex, our last candidate this week is from an apply wire entry. And this candidate is applying now to start next fall. They have 11 schools on the target list. I will just zip through them. They are Tepper, Tuck, Fuqua, Guizetta, Georgetown, Georgia Tech, Rice, Foster, UCLA, USC, and UT Austin. This person's been working as a project manager or product manager, I can't remember which what it stands for, um, in tech. And they want to stay in tech after business school. And they've got Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, Uber uh, on the potential list of targets. Their GRE is a 320 and their GPA is a 2.85. They've been working for six years. They're located in Stockholm and they'd love to land in California. Um, and Alex, you asked them, are you applying right now, like round two? And, and it sounds like they are applying in round two. They did also offer up the information that they've taken MBA math so that because they recognize their GPA is low. And they also said that there is some personal context, which they will explain in their application when it comes to that GPA. So Alex, what do you make of this candidate's chances? Because they have a wide range of schools. You know, they have the likes of Tuck on this list, mm. but they also have some schools that are more kind of top 25, right? So, um, but what do you make of their chances? And yeah, how do you put this one together? Because there's a lot of different factors. Yeah, I mean, they've got a, a, a nice range of schools. I don't know if they can apply to 11 in round two, so maybe they've pared this down yeah, that'd be tr um, tricky. in order to <laughs> tackle round two. But they've got top 16, top 20, and, and then even a couple of schools outside of that in terms of tiers, which makes sense. Now, um, if you look at their um, counting stats, they're... 320 GRE, 285 GPA, it doesn't pop no. um, by any means. And obviously that 285 GPA is going to raise um, some, um, well, it will raise concerns. I'm assuming it's an engineering degree. I'm assuming they're working in product management product tech. Management. And yeah. for that, okay. you do need an engineering, well, you kind of need an engineering degree to do that. Um, but even even if it's an engineering degree, you know, these types of programs are expecting to see GPAs north, certainly north of th sort of three, two, three, three or something like that. So they're gonna need to explain that. They've done MBA math, which is a smart move on their part as an, well, again, assuming they're an engineer, hopefully they, they breeze through MBA math, but it's, it's definitely a good thing for them to have done. I'd like to see the breakdown of the GRE at 320. It's it's a bit ho-hum. It's within range, certainly for some of the schools on this target list. Um, but if that GRE sort of helped, again, further compensate for the 285 GPA, that might have been more helpful. Um, 
So that's where all the concern is. Now, I'm going to make a couple of assumptions here, Graham. I think they're either working for Spotify, as you suggested, or Minecraft or mm -hmm. some other online gaming company, which might actually be quite interesting to Adcom, depending on sort of their successes as a product manager in, in those domains, because those companies are you know pretty high profile. Working out of Stockholm, um, you know, top tier MBA programs, in the US don't see a lot of folks applying out of Stockholm. So so that side of it actually could be a real positive to their mm -hmm. um, candidacy. So how they weave that narrative in, they wanna be on the West Coast in, in the long run, which again signals to me that they are uh, you know, stepping back into that tech domain. Uh, well, they, they say that too. So, so um, again, I would summarize this candidacy as a, sort of a yin and yang. There's there's some real positive, but there's definitely um, some some real issues that they need to compensate for. Yeah, and I guess my one of my questions was, where are they from originally? Yeah. Right. So if if they were to say, oh, I you know I uh, was born in India, did a you know engineering degree in India, and then um, immigrated to you know to Sweden to take a tech job at whatever Minecraft or some online gaming company or or Spotify or whatever, that that might change our view, right? Because then we'd say, well, are they overrepresented or not? I mean, it, it's um, they would probably fall more into an overrepresented bucket, and then the numbers would look worse because that overrepresented group has higher numbers on the on the margin. Right. So, you know, whereas if they're just sort of um, someone who's like born and raised in in Sweden, those are you know kind of super rare in the application. We just don't see a lot of Scandinavian candidates to top schools in the U.S., and so they there would be more of a demand. Um, yeah. Even though it, you know some of this gets kind of silly, but it is this is the way that the process is currently <laughs> set up. So. I, yeah, I agree with you. There's kind of a, like you say, yin and yang. I mean, I, I think their work experience could be super interesting. They've got six years of it and, and it, it could make their goals very feasible. And the idea that, you know, yeah, they've been working for a great tech company and want to continue to do that, move to California, all makes sense, right? So I, I would like to know more about that GPA because if it turns out, like you said, if they studied something really challenging like engineering and went to, you know, the best school in their home country or there's no great inflation or, you know, that might change the way I look at it. Although I would still kind of be scratching my head a little bit about the GRE yeah. um, because you'd think that someone who's super sharp and, you know, technical might, you know, normally do a bit better on the test, but it's, yeah. At, at the same time, like you say, they've got some schools on the list that their numbers are, you know, probably going to be not so bad for, right. you know, I mean, particularly the GRE will be probably fine for some of these schools. So yeah, it's a bit of a crapshoot. I, I think, um, if I were them paring this list down, I would focus on schools that, you know, have those tech placements and also, um, you know, that seem to be good at placing people on the West Coast. Uh, and I would also keep a range, you know, so, you know, don't don't just go for the top end given some of the weaknesses here. Right. So I would, yeah, try to maintain some of that range in, in program types. Very good. Yeah. So, all right. I want to thank them for um, sending along their details here. Uh, wish them the best of luck as they work on all these applications for the round two deadlines. Um, Alex, yeah, we'll do it all next week. And I guess want to just wish everyone, uh, you know, happy and healthy holiday season here. Very good, everyone. Best of luck. Stay safe and happy new year when it's upcoming. <laughs>